You're listening to the Athletic Motion Golf Podcast. I'm Mike Renato, and I'm here with my good buddy and co-founder in AMG, Sean Webb. We have one goal with this podcast, to help you improve your game. We're going to do that by showing you what the best players in the world do, and then show you how to incorporate those same moves into your own swing. And we're going to do it all in 15 minutes or less. Today's episode is brought to you by Live View Golf. We use the Live View Pro every day in lessons because it gives our golfers the necessary feedback for improvement. The Live View Pro is like having a swing studio in your pocket. It's a tool we recommend to anyone serious about improving their swing. Check it out at liveviewsports.com backslash AMG to get $40 off at checkout. All right, Sean, we got the stopwatch started at 15 minutes. Let's talk about X Factor. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about what it is, why it's important, and how we can use it in the golf swing and how we shouldn't try to use it in the golf swing. Man, I got some good stories about this. You know, and we'll give credit, obviously, where credit is due always. You know, Jim McClain first came up with this years ago. And, you know, he was on the right track on so many things. He was a, a big you know, researcher way back before really probably anybody else was trying to figure things out. He had a 3D system. He was he was doing what we do. You try to see commonalities in great swings. And I think, you know, with the technology he had at the time, he noticed that some of these guys, I think the very first article, I had it because I had, I got golf. I think it was in golf magazine. Might've been golf. I just maybe golf. I got them both every month and I read them every time they came in. And I remember this article came in and it showed, I think on the cover, it showed it was the feature article cover article. And it talked about how the biggest X factors, meaning the difference between your hip rotation and your shoulder rotation, the bigger that number, the farther you would hit it. That was kind of the basis for the article. Right. And, and yeah. And, you know, I went out and tried it <laughs> and the way that I, well, why wouldn't you? Exactly. I was like, I'm doing this. <laughs> so the way that I um, uh, perceived that article when I read it, obviously everyone's going to read something different and take it a different way. The way I took it was okay. I'm going to just keep my hips completely still and turn my upper body as far as I possibly could. <laughs> and uh, I did it for about a week and my dad's fire like, dude, you got to stop. I'm, I'm laughing because I did the stop. exact same thing. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I mean, looking back, I, it was probably my fault that I read it that way because, you know, obviously my mind's like, well, shoot, if I'm going to do this, I need to not move my hips at all. I mean, that's going to allow me to get the biggest stretch. And hey, that makes sense to me too, because if I keep my hips still, I'm going to hit it straighter. I was like, I was so off the reservation. And, you know, my dad is a scratch golfer. He's like the club champion at the golf course growing up. And he, he didn't, he wasn't a great teacher, but he knew what he was looking for. Like he'd seen enough good swings and he was a good player. And he's like, whatever you're doing, that's not right. I mean, that's just not right. <laughs> so I bailed on that. I mean, thankfully. You, you know how these things work, right? We all hear things through a certain lens, right? At that yeah. particular time, whatever you're receptive to at that particular time. And I know when I was reading that article and I was, you know, out there on the range every day trying to get better, it was like, my takeaway was, okay, make that number as big as possible, any way possible. That so, was it. so my brain's like, okay, I'm not going to move the lower part and crank that upper part. And then I'm going to be as long as anybody out there on tour. And I had, my dad was the same way, got me into the game, was played college golf, really good player doesn't really couldn't really teach you know but he's he's like he's seen my swing enough to know when he, dad, he could yep. say hey you you 
don't look like you're doing something right at the top. And that was about it. And it, after about a week of working on that, the next time we played, he's like, what have you done to your swing? Uh-huh. Cause it was like, I mean, it, it was so much effort to hold those hips still crank that shoulder back there. And then usually the result like was the club would come flying out of <laughs> across it. And it, it just hurt too. But I was like, I was well, you know, at that age, you're willing to do anything, anything. I mean, it, it pain, made sense to me. Yeah, it didn't I mean, matter. Pain doesn't matter when you're that young. You're invincible. But but like in my mind, I was winding up like a spring. I'm like, yeah. well, that, that makes sense. You know, I'll just hold the bottom part of the spring and it will unleash. And right, it just, yes. It just didn't work like that because you couldn't get the club back with not moving the hips. All you did was just slam your arms across your body. And and there's no motion to that. So that that – Long story short, that's the X factor. That's how a lot of us are introduced to it in that first article. I think it was back in the late 80s. I mean, it was many years ago, and it was ahead of its time. But, um, you know, things have progressed in the way we can measure things. And I think now we've got a pretty good understanding of, of how it works and what you're trying to do with it. And not only that, there, you know, there's a caveat to it that down the road at some point, a different measurement system said, well, that – well, that's not the way to get distance. It's how much you can stretch it on the downswing. So th- there was another school of thought. It's like, okay, the more you could, once you get to the top, the main thing was you wanted to leave some slack in the system at the top. So you didn't max out the X factor. So you could crank it more on the downswing. So basically the, the premise behind this next iteration of the X factor was to hold your torso at the top and then crank the hips as far forward as you could while holding the torso and to me, that's that's just as damaging to the golf swing. And, you know, it's, it's still being thrown around in some golf circles. But, you know, we, we've had the, the luxury of working with some or working with some smart people and, and uh, that have systems like ours that can measure things. And we throw around ideas and we're just not seeing that in high level swings or more advanced systems than ours. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. University grade systems. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, he's, his name is Dr. Kwan. He's helping us understand a lot of the things that we're seeing, but he's putting more of a concrete concept in our head is why those things work that we're seeing in our gear system. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the beginning. So every swing, whether it's a putt, chip, iron swing driver, every swing has an X factor, right? To a few inches in a putt to... Uh, if you're Roy McIlroy, a ton, right? Around 70 degrees, I believe it is. Insane so, amount. Insane amount. And that's, again, that all that is, is the difference between your shoulder rotation and your hip rotation. Everybody has an X factor. All right. So that's not, um, you know, you hear comments all the time that, you know, the X factor is bad or wrong. It's not bad or wrong. It's just is. It's like just the difference between those two. And everybody has one. It happens. Now, now what you try to exactly now what you try to do with that information, and when you try to use that information makes all the difference. We just talked about how poorly (laughs) equipped we were to use that information, and how we both tried. And I think a lot of people tried to do it that way, just kind of restrict the hips and crank the shoulders, and it didn't work out that well. Um, And then there's the other side of the coin, which you just mentioned, where it's like okay. Let's try to really stretch that out in the downswing and really create that kind of slingshot in the downswing. But and again, not stretch it on the backswing, which there you go. again is a little bit off base. Like a free wheel, move them all together and then try to stretch in the downswing. 
that doesn't happen in good swings either. So we've got we've got the gears data here in front of us, and if we just look at the top five players in the world, and you're looking at guys who are different body styles, different body shapes, different looking swings, like no two of them look the same. They're no two same instructor, not from, um, you know, they're not from the same part of the world. Basically they're, they're, they're about as different as a group of guys as you can get. And none of them increase their X factor stretch in the downswing. One increase, uh, I should take that back. One increases it one degree. The rest do not decrease, increase it one degree. So they are not stretching in the downswing. Exactly. And, and nor are they restricting the hips on the backswing. No. So both of those ideas that we thought were correct were actually incorrect when you look at high level swings. They're actually they're they're loading they're loading both together as they go about. Let's say the pelvis and the torso start turning together. And there'll be a point where the pelvis reaches the end of its rotation. And then the last part of the backswing, the torso continues its rotation. And, and to get that maximum stretch on the backswing without holding the hips off, just because you're tilting them correctly, that they reach the end of their rotation and the torso continues to rotate. That's the way you want to load these loading rates that we're that we're starting to kind of understand in the backswing is way more important than I even thought, and that's the 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 one that helps you get all the stuff for free on the downswing, right? If you can load things correctly going back, pelvis stops its rotation, let's say halfway in the backswing, then the torso continues to rotate. The X factor is maxed out basically at the top, and then for all intents and purposes, things are moving together coming down. You're not firing the hips out early. That. That's such a damaging idea. Now, the pel the rotation of the pelvis is going to happen first because it stopped turning back first, basically, but there's no big stretch. It's so minute. And trying to tr trying to make it go first, I think, ruins swings more than it helps them. Yeah, there's there's certainly no firing of the pelvis. And um, Monty Schleimboom, a good, a good friend of ours, put up a post on Instagram, I think it was this past week, that – the amount of time span between when the hips go and when the shoulders go is half the time it takes for a Lamborghini to change gears. Whew. So, I mean, half the time, and you know how fast those cars are and how high performance they are. We're not, we're not better. We're not faster than a Lamborghini. We're not. <laughs> so you can't, you can't physically or mentally, I should say, think, okay, that sequence i'm going to make that sequence happen when i want to you can't do it they go at the same time that's why you got to do the right things on the backswing like we've been preaching if you get the rhythm correct and the timing and the sequence correct going back you can pretty much you know land on your left foot and hit the ball as hard as you want and the sequences are going to start getting in the right order that, that's that's how we feel about it and that's the way it works right and you know the the reason that there's no stretch in the downswing and that you don't want to try to create a stretch in the downswing is because the the chest and shoulders need to catch up to the hips by the they're time so you reach behind. the line. Mm -hmm. They already have, say, look at somebody like Rory. Everybody's used to seeing his swing. He's got 70 degrees between the two 
there's no way in the world he would want to try to stretch that to 80 degrees. And, but it because there's no time. There's no time. It, or even if you're just 40 degrees difference, you still don't want to increase that stretch. You have to catch the shoulders up to the hips. Where is he at impact? How, how much is he close at an impact? The X factor. Just out of sheer curiosity. I mean, he's he's having to close it down so rapidly. Seven. Seven. Seven degrees. So he's not going to increase that a lot in the early – because his downswing, I'm assuming, is a little more rapid than the average guy. He's, he's probably, what, 0.2 seconds, I'm assuming, something like that. So he's not going to stretch it more or try to increase it coming down and hold the torso back because he's trying to close the gap, we call it, coming down. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It's like you've got 0.2 seconds. Why do you want to put yourself at a disadvantage of closing the gap by increasing it a bunch more in the early downswing? And, and I think the whole moral of the story here is get the backswing order kind of sequenced up the way it needs to. You're maxing out that stretch at the top. And then the worst thing you can do from the top, and we see it all the time, is to hold the torso back and fire the hips. I think if, if you take the – you know, we say a lot of words in these episodes, but if you can condense these things down, and we try to do that for you toward the end of the episode like we're doing here, if we can condense this concept down to one thing, it's from the top, firing your hips and holding the body back is not a very good way to play golf. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it just we just don't see it happen with the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And when when you're doing something or trying to do something that winds up producing the opposite movements that these great players – do it's probably not a good idea you're gonna you're gonna tax your physical ability for sure if not make the golf swing much more difficult and you know we we tell golfers all the time that bad swings are physically more difficult to perform right you typically require way more energy yes you typically have way more movements to make like it's rare that you see a bad swing with fewer moving parts, right? You usually see bad swings with a whole lot more moving parts. That's why when you go to a tour event and you see these guys play in person, the swing looks so simple. It looks so efficient. And then when you go to your local golf course, it, you just see a lot of complicated movements. That's and a lot of effort, high yes. effort, low output. It's physically more difficult to perform. You're having to force things and create different forces to counterbalance some of that. And, it typically doesn't result in better outcome, right? Or hardly ever, hardly ever. Or you, the way you're doing this, the way we're teaching this kind of to the way you load things up and the way that they unload, you know, between the torso and the hips to me, that's what allows you to, to utilize your body most efficiently where you get a lot of output, you know, it's a little more in depth to want to get here, but you're using these like stretch shortening of the muscles. There's a, there's a pop there that you get that creates some effortless speed instead of you having to muscle it. And I think if you look at the swings of like Ernie Els and Fred Couples, those guys that probably did it some of the best at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they look super fluid without a lot of effort. And that's kind of what you, in your mind, you want to picture for your swing, kind of a flowing motion that doesn't take a lot of effort, but you get a lot of output. But you know, even faster tempos, Nick Price is always the yeah. example given. It's the same thing. It's just the same tempo thing. of it's quicker tempo. Yeah. So 100%. So, we're at the end here of our time, and the idea for this one is to X factor should not be a, X factor should not be a dirty word, uh, because it's just measuring 
what the body's doing, how you use those measurements or how you conceive those measurements and the concepts you try to apply on the downswing does make a difference. You really don't want to see golfers trying to, you know, rubber band themselves on the downswing because it, it just, just doesn't work. Exactly. That's a good point. Very All right. good. All right. Good episode. Uh, good topic there. It's an important topic. Uh, Sean, anything else we need to cover? No, but uh, if you guys are enjoying these and they're helping your game, please go over on iTunes and click subscribe and leave us a review and a five star if you don't mind. Uh, that allows more golfers to find the podcast and we're trying to help as many golfers as we can. You can help us do that. Guys, as always, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one.